Yoshi saves the day. Chapter Yoshi saves six. the day. Chapter six. They get to another pipe, which will take them to Yoshi Island, and this, nothing happens. They get there fine. <laughs> they meet with some Sticks. Yoshis. They're all doing pretty yeah. well. The Yoshis all speak in perfect English. Oh, wait, no, they don't. Yeah. They um. Oh no, I, I get confused. Mario called out to a green dinosaur. Yoshi, it's me, Mario. Yoshi turned and smiled happily. The little dinosaur bound. Okay, so no, the Yoshis don't talk. The Yoshis just um, emote. There we go. I they, got a bit confused there. They're like dogs, mostly. Yeah. Um. So Mario takes the Yoshi and uh, not the Yoshi. This is clearly Yoshi. This is this is a this Yoshi. Is, yeah. This is this is Yoshi before we determined that Yoshi was a sea, it was part of a species, a greater mm. species of Yoshis, um, that are all called Yoshi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he takes the slash a Yoshi and <laughs> leaves Luigi and Toad behind, and like we're gonna go get the mushroom, and they go up to the top of the hill, and they find the blue mushroom, but just then, uh. Uh, uh, Lakitu's attack, um, and they they got the spiny balls are flying down, and Mario, I guess he got the hammer from one of the Hammer Brothers, starts using the hammer as if he's back in Donkey Kong days and just Ball breaking, yeah, yep. yeah, he's breaking those 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 balls. Um, he's a ball breaker, and then Yoshi <laughs> jumps up in the air and he eats the clouds. Yes. That the lack twos are using and they fall out of the sky. Um so that's a that was that's that's clever. It's a clever way to yeah. to, to deal with that. Exactly. That, that that is their they have got air advantage, so as long as you eliminate that, that's all that's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. Um they get back down uh and talk to uh Toad and Luigi and they see the next clue. And mm. the next clue is mine. And they're like, the next clue is yours. No, it's mine. Whose clue is it? No, uh, what? Who's on no, first? No, what's? <laughs> I don't know. Who's on third? Ah. Uh, um. So Mario said they would never find the next mushroom until the next chapter. Well, <laughs> it's good because the next chapter is called the end. So we're done it, folks. Uh, there, We've there done you go. it. We've, We've got reached... to the end of the. Even though this is a 46-page book, this is only page 20 or so, so pretty good, you know, all things considered. Pretty good. It's pretty pretty efficient to get to the end of the book. <laughs> yeah, nice typing. <laughs> the, the rest of the book just must be a bunch of, um, you know, zipper lighter adverts and uh, x-ray glasses <laughs> sent off a voucher for them. Right in for this, <laughs> solve this clue and, and, and get an entry into winning this the, these Nintendo systems. <laughs> There's the rest of it. It's just all misconnections. <laughs> you were reading a copy of uh, of um, Mario and the and the Magic Maze. I was I was on the other side of the library in Pittsburgh. Please email. <laughs> Nineteen, ni- uh, the year nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So this was published in 2006, but all of the all of the messages all the are from 97. Yeah, they're all misconnections <laughs> from 97. I so, think that uh, you were the Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I was here with the UN as well. Please get back in contact with me. <laughs> so it's the end. It's the end of the book. 
yeah. Yoshi, but oh wait, Yoshi figures oh, wait, out the clue. Yes. Yoshi figures out the clue, and he points down at the ground, and Mario's like, ah, it's underground. It's a mine, the, not mine. It's a mine, mine. not mine. Ah. Uh. Um, the mines are right here in Moleville. So they go to the mines, um, and on their way to the mines, they run into a chain chomp. And this guy yes. is, uh, he's a feisty boy. Uh, Mario realizes, though, that he's not angry at them. He's angry at his situation. And he jumps on the back of the chain chomp. Uh, he speaks to the inner uh, baby chain chomp inside the chain chomp, um, <laughs> the puppy chomp, and, yeah. and, and practices his animal husbandry. And uh, he unchains the chain chomp. And everybody's freaked out. Like, yeah. what's going to happen here? And then the chain chomp calm, calms down and just rolls away. <laughs> yeah, he's done. He's like, I'm all right. I'm just going to chill. I'm all right now. Uh, thank you. How are you? Um, and then they continue <laughs> on to the mine. <laughs> Do you know what the story is for why the chain chomp exists as a character in Mario? No. Is it like wanna, half of a bullet bill or something? <laughs> no. So it's either Miyamoto or it's Tezuka who had this story, but it was like when they were a kid walking home from school, one of their neighbors had just a big ass dog that was like incredibly aggressive. So the dog would like run full power at the kid and then the chain would yank it back. Like it was just on a short enough leaf that it would never like kind of attack. I'm rather right. than thinking like, oh god, that dog's being kept in bad conditions. Just like 30, 20 odd years after the fact, they went, that'd be a good Mario. <laughs> let's write, <laughs> right, let's write him in. It's the same thing with um with the ghost. Well, funnily after the ghosts are in this book, so booze from Mario are based on Takashi Tezuka's wife, who when they oh, met her in person, right. in, yeah, she's she was like a quiet, incredibly shy, timid, and then woman. behind closed doors was like abusive <laughs> well whenever he would late she'd ring in and be like what the fuck are you get home immediately <laughs> this would be really aggressive too and then rather than yeah being like oh wow you know maybe there's something going on you know when you found me it was just like that's funny as fuck we're putting that mario free that's, that's hilarious yeah we're putting those in she's, as goes that's funny as fuck she's an enemy now in my in my mario game yeah, we turn your wife into a into a not just a single character, but a multitude of ghosts and Mario. What was that short film? Do you remember ever see that short film where it was about like a young George Lucas walking around like the this campus of Stanford or whatever, and everything he sees is like inspired something that Star would later, like something yeah, something that would like inspire Star Wars or Indiana Jones or something like that. And I just imagine that for Miyamoto and everything him he sees is like going into Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I mean, that is what he was like. Like um, the ring, like flying through rings and Star Fox was based on uh, like a New Year's tradition where you go to like Japanese temples and you walk like the, the pathways have these like kind of gates overhead. And he was like, huh, what if I was a plane doing this? That might be a fun game. <laughs> kind of thing that might be a fun video game yeah when yeah. he was a kid he went cave exploring and uh you know he found fun caves and then uh the internet historian ripped that off for his video but we can't talk about that got that out <laughs> <laughs> i'm now plagiarizing uh, h-bomb guy 
<laughs> oh boy, plagiarism, um, huh? All right, we love it. We love it. We love Yoshi yips questioningly and looks at Maria. Yeah. So this <laughs> goes. They they continue on and they get into they find the mine and they get into a mine cart and they they ride that mine cart on down and they find like, mushroom number five. Yeah. Um, uh, and another clue. And another clue. Uh, and it's just the clue is uh, this is an actual like oh this is a neat clue. Uh, so it's numbers yeah. and then under it it says one to twenty six. And uh, they figure, well, what's twenty six number? What's twenty six long? And that's that's uh, letters. The twenty six letters in the alphabet. Yep. So they figured it's just like a number replacement thingy, and uh, it they it's booster pass um, mm. is is where they're they got to go. Um, but on the way, they get attacked by Koopa paratroopers. Oh no. Oh no! And the pouch gets knocked out of Mario's hand and oh, double oh, no. down down into a, a ravine, uh, which brings us to chapter eight, which is probably your favorite chapter. Uh, yeah. So this is why you asked me on this episode, right? This is why. Yeah, clearly, this is why I asked yeah. you on the episode. Is is chapter eight? Watch out for Wario. <laughs> no, this is why I said I don't think she played that far into um, Mario RPG because Wario is not in. Booster Past is. There is a character called Booster who looks a bit like Wario, but Wario himself is not in uh, would, Mario RPG. Would Super Mario RPG have been like uh, a much better game yes. with, with Wario in it? Yeah, yes, yeah, clearly. Absolutely. <laughs> this is a reference to another SNES game, though, which when we get to it, I'll, uh, I'll mention what. But yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they lose the mushrooms, but then they get the mushrooms back, so it's not too bad. It's not too bad. They 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 lower to, uh, Todd Toad. Um, <laughs> they lower Todd's from breaking pads. <laughs> they lower Toad down uh, into the ravine where the mushrooms fell, and he he gets them. Um, and they continue along, and then a bucket falls on Mario's head. Yes. <laughs> and Mario's like, that can only mean one thing: my sworn sworn arch enemy. <laughs> So, do you know why he drops a bucket on his head? I don't know. <laughs> so, this is a reference to a video game that no one has ever played from 1995 called Which I'm Mario... sure you've played, though. Oh, of course I have. Mario and Wario. Not Mario versus Wario. Mario and Wario for the SNES. One of the first games that Game Freak made for Nintendo. Before Pokemon, huh. this was something that was contracted out to them. It is... Basically, Nintendo's version... It's like Nintendo saw the success of Lemmings and said, oh, yeah, we can fart one of these out. Just put We can do that. It. Yeah, fuck. We can, we'll, we'll fucking sleepwalk through this easy, which is ironic <laughs> considering that it is a game which is about Wario in his purple biplane drops buckets on the heads of Nintendo characters and then they just start walking forward and then you as a fairy have to use your magic wand to fill in blocks to turn to basically make platforms <laughs> and get amazing. them to the end of the level essentially it's a cute idea it is also like yeah. the most ambient video game of it is so like low stakes right very much so but yeah obviously tracy west is like oh i can't take everything from mario rpg what else have i got in my snes oh for some reason i have mario and oh yeah and that was another thing as well um 
One of the other games that supported the NE- uh, SNES mouse, apart from Mario Paint, was for some reason Mario and Wario, which was huh. again because it was like because um, it was like Lemmings, I guess. Yeah, because you're kind of yeah, you need to kind of click around and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's um, it is a it is a kind of it's sort of a like I said, just kind of as an outlier in sort of Nintendo's kind of games. And again, it's like one of the first Game Freak games. It is interesting, but it is also like. Not as it's, good as Lemmings, right? It's it, yeah, and that does sound uh, like because like Lemmings was not that interesting. Ultimately, it was a game. I the only time I ever played Lemmings was if I was in um, like a computer class. Sure, yeah. And it's like the teacher's like, oh, yeah, you have a free day today. And all the Macs were loaded up with lemmings for some reason. <laughs> so you could just like kind of just sit there and fuck about with lemmings. Um, That's funny that you say that because I think lemmings is one of the first computer games I played. And it's literally because when I was a kid, I didn't have a, I had my, I had like an old fashioned Macintosh. Like I had my dad's right. hand me down. And one of the only few video games that would run on it was lemmings because i think dma was just like oh let's make let's put this on every particular device that we can which includes the mac which doesn't have any games on it and so yeah um, right christmas christmas lemmings i think came out like the year i was born and so i mean i'm not saying that i came out and played lemmings immediately but right (laughs) it was one of the first games played and you know who Mm. made lemmings yeah, uh, uh, Rockstar North, uh, DMA Designs. Rockstar North, DMA Design, which eventually yep. became Rockstar North. Interesting. Famously as well, they did make a game for Nintendo, which was Uni Racers, and then it got pulled off shelves because Pixar were like, hey, that guy looks like our fucking uh, unicycle character. We're going <laughs> to sue you for every dollar you owe. <laughs> Uh, amazing um yeah so lemmings uh also speaking of things that were victimized by walt disney uh lemmings which uh do not um, actually run off cliffs they were just pushed off cliffs for a they, major they were chased off by what what was what was the guy who was doing what was the one who was doing it yeah he was blowing cigarette he was blowing cigarette smoke in their little faces <laughs> and if you li- if you look closely you can see roy disney in the background just saying ah walt what are you doing and walt's like it's for the picture Roy, get the get them fuck get them furry fucks down. Well, what does it, no, he, well he didn't sound like it. He wasn't because uh, he, he was a hayseed. One, he? he was from like Kentucky, right? Uh, uh yeah, I am. I I just imagined though he he sounded like exactly what you said when the cameras weren't ro- rolling. Like ah, and I'm, 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 I'm chomping on this, this I'm cigar. A and, movie guy. Eh? Hey, yeah. pizza. Um, pizza. Speaking where, of where pizza. Wario. Wario. Give Wario. it up, Mario. Wario called Dan. Bowser's <laughs> gonna give me a lot of money if I bring you to him. You might as well just surrender. So again, <laughs> Wario, very good characterization. He doesn't he's not really evil, he's just in it for the past. He's, he's, he's in it as a mercenary in this in this uh, exactly. story. <laughs> doesn't care about the politics, doesn't get involved. Um they solved the the Wario conundrum though by like throwing the bucket on his head. Yeah, they Mario grabs a book uh, a bucket and with with uh, Yoshi jumps higher hmm. than the plane because uh, it's a low flying plane. He's crop dusting 
and he drops the the bucket on Wario's head, and Wario uh, loses control of the plane and disappears over the horizon. He uh, does. He, he, he Michael Jordan's him. He slam yeah. dunks the slam the dunks that bucket head. right on his head. Um, and then they grab the final mushroom, and a bright light fills the ravine, leading to chapter nine, where they fast travel to Bowser Keep. Because <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> which, is, which is yeah. Even even like Tracy's like, oh, don't worry, we're nearly done. No more puzzles as well. What like those are done now. We're one done. to twenty six. That was a bit too much for you. So don't worry, we're not doing those again. <laughs> we're we're in a real Scooby Doo of a chapter. Chapter nine. Go 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 ghosts. Oh, um, yes. And they're at Bowser Keep, and they are are wow. They're they're. They're woozy and all that. And then they're like, ah, we're here. And then they run up to the gate and then the ghosts attack them yes. and uh, steal the pouch. And uh, they're tossing it around. And then Luigi overcomes his fear of ghosts and gets the pouch back. At one point, uh, Yoshi tries eating a ghost. There's a moment earlier where, where Yoshi's yeah. like trying to figure out what a ghost might taste like. Um, that yeah. Mario kind of reads like he's like oh yeah I don't know what they taste like Yoshi and then Yoshi tries to eat it later and can't so never any payoff to that they never any payoff to that um, <laughs> Yoshi eats it and then and then uh, for his first words uh, he starts summoning uh, Cthulhu and his oh, eyes no. roll back into his head and I uh, I've started that rom hack. It's not good. It's not Don't good. And he stares right into the camera. And then there's a bunch of jump scares. Oh, shit. His eyes start <laughs> bleeding somehow. His eyes and start bleeding. And it looks really realistic. <laughs> and then Sonic.exe shows up. Um, and then and then I get the game cartridge from my best friend, Billy. Despite the fact that he's now a 40-year-old man, he still calls himself Billy. He's Billy. My best friend, he's that's it was his cartridge. Yeah, it, Billy. Was my car, it was Billy's cartridge. Um, yeah, I do like the fact as well. It's like just laughing about just Mario saying normal sentences. Luigi's just like Mario the ghost, and then Mario just goes, "You got to do it, Luigi." <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it. You Luigi, you must you try. To, you got to try. You have to, you have to do it, Luigi," says Mario. <laughs> in his, in his, in his John Ham ass voice. <laughs> yeah, when's John Ham playing? When John? When's John Ham playing live action Mario? <laughs> it's a oh my god, Mario! Wario, Wario gets into the elevator with Mario, and Wario's just like, ah, "I feel bad for you, Mario," and and. And Mario responds, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> imagine, oh, a, imagine a piece of pasta. <laughs> uh, we got to get the series that's, that's, with him on a commune coming up with the yeah. Super Mario Brothers theme coming, tune. Coming and, up so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no, coming up with the, with the fucking rap from the Super Mario Super Show. There we go. That's it. Um, Captain Lou dances too. Captain uh, Lou, Lou Albano, uh, yeah, appears in his visions um, on the commune. 
So Luigi gets the pouch back. He overcomes his fear and he gets the pouch back and he gives it back to to Mario. And Mario's got to line the mushrooms up in just the right order. And then he's got to say the spell. But he can't do it if the ghosts are all over him. So uh, Luigi did his bit, right? Hmm. Now somebody else has to get over their fear of ghosts. And that's Todd. Uh, Todd Howard has to get over his fear of ghosts. Todd Howard. Toad, uh... Todd Howard is Toad Howard. Toad voice. <laughs> you see that mountain? You can yeah, climb it. it. <laughs> um, it's our first new franchise in 30 years. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Toad. Thank you, Toad Howard. <laughs> Thank you, Toad Howard. <laughs> So, what did, uh, did he make this game for unoptimized computers? No, we just made a game for new computers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just now imagining Todd Howard, but in the big stupid mushroom hat and just wearing nothing but white, so, like white linen, like Iranian pants, and just a blue waistcoat with nothing else. <laughs> But it's just still Todd Howard. It's still Todd Howard. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh no. So Toad gets gets getting tossed around by the uh, the ghosts. Uh, <laughs> Only by the ghosts. Yeah. Uh, just get getting real man really manhandled. Uh, Mario casts a spell, which is eeny meeny miny mo. Send the ghosts where bad booze go, and uh, yippity bippity. Uh, the ghosts are banished. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're blown by the color of the rainbow, and they all go, aye. Yeah, aye. Uh, the thing is, the ghosts, um, uh, what we what we isn't revealed is that the ghosts were actually just regular folk who hadn't finished their earthly duties, but Mario <laughs> actually casts them into hell, even yes. though not all of them were destined for hell. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> They were all unbaptized babies waiting for the babies. And then we get to the Pope himself. Chapter 10. Big bad Bowser, he's here. Because even though the ghosts have been <laughs> defeated, there's still Bowser to go. Pope Bowser. Uh they 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 hear Princess Peach and uh she is upstairs in the ceiling in, in a cage in that a, hung from the ceiling. Back she's in, in a metal Super Mario cage. RPG. Uh, super metal, metal cage in the ceiling. Super Mario RPG right there. The only bit of Super Mario RPG I have played. Well, by the way. here's the thing: not to not not to be internet pedant here, but Super Mario yeah. RPG right at the beginning, uh, she is tied up in a rope, being held by the ceiling. But they are fighting on metal chandeliers. However, oh, that's right. Mario Brothers All Stars, the remake of Super Mario Brothers One, she is in a big ass cage. There we go. So yeah, there, there we, we go. go. So it always it always comes back to an SNES game somehow. At some point. Um yeah. I think you know what's wild is I think uh a lot of people forget that Nintendo remade the original Mario games in like the early nineties. Yeah. Like long before remakes were a thing, they remade oh, yeah. with 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 the with the it was like the SNES, it was the Super Mario World artwork they used to remake them, right? Yeah, well, kind of level of rent like it doesn't quite look like Super Mario World, but it is like that level of rendering. So yeah, they remade 
uh, one USA and free, and then they also did Lost Levels, the Japanese version. Then obviously in Japan they flipped that around, and right. USA was the one that they got. But yeah, I, like I always find that period really weird because they also remade all the Mega Man games on like Mega Drive, being like, "Hey, you probably didn't have an NES, so uh, check all these out, bozo." And right? Like oh yeah, Man. that's right. Because so, Capcom is like, yeah, yeah, fuck it, we're not beholden to Nintendo anymore. <laughs> no, we can do whatever. We're, but even weirder than that, like Super Castlevania Four is all intents and purposes a remake of um, Castlevania One as well. So like, yeah, people were remaking stuff like pretty like basically after the NES, they were like, okay, full on the remake. Let's yeah, bring them like, in, folks. Let's let's roll them in, boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, because isn't Super Metroid is so is, that was my theory was that so Super Metroid and A Link to the Past are like in my head Nintendo being like oh if we were to remake the, if we were to make the NES games like again for the first time what would we do differently how would and, like, we do Super it Metroid's yeah. Ca- yeah and like in Super Metroid's case it makes sense it's like oh well I'd add a map because like no one's going to be able to you know we didn't put like a paper one in so it made it confusing so let's put one in the game right. and. You know, it's even like the same planet that you go to, but they flesh it out a little bit more as well. And then Leia with like Link to the Past, it's like, oh, let's do top down again. And let's like, if we made it again, what if it had nicer graphics? And then they decided, oh, let's add a plot to it and let's actually make it like a prequel sequel to the original one as well. So, right. Yeah, like, I think they were just on that tip of, and like Super Mario World itself isn't that different from Super Mario, but even Super Mario Brothers 3 as a concept is like, if we could remake one again, how would we do it? Kind of thing, right? So yeah, N- Nintendo were very like iterative with like how they want. Yeah, they, they're they're not. It's not like they're they don't really. I mean, it's not like they care a whole lot about story. Clearly, um, no continuity. Not, ain't maybe thing. not. Yeah, yeah, not not story, but continuity between games. Like to them, canon is more of like a who the fuck cares type of situation <laughs> it's my favorite thing with the zelda timeline that basically like after skyward saw people were like you need to tell us what the timeline is and i went oh, okay fine and he was like okay here's the timeline if uh uh ocarina of time you stayed as an adult <laughs> the, and timeline then here's the, one the timelines just... choose your own adventure <laughs> bullshit well yeah so so the timeline's already stupid because it's like okay here's the timeline from the future of ocarina of time where he's an adult and then here's the timeline from when he was a child okay that's fine Okay, and then here's another timeline that if you had died in Ocarina of Time, here's this new timeline. It's like, hold on, this isn't XCOM. What the fuck are you doing? Like, that ain't... And then when they got to Breath of the Wild, they said, fuck the timeline. Yeah, this ain't got nothing to do with the timeline. This is something new. This is something brand spanking new. Yeah. No, uh, (laughs) not not many companies. So two companies have the balls to say that the bad ending is canon. And that's Nintendo and Firaxis. <laughs> yeah, with XCOM 2, where they said, yeah, nobody beat XCOM 1, so we're going to say the canon ending was you didn't beat XCOM 1. The, the canon ending is you lost, you gave up. Uh. <laughs> the canon ending is, is that um, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns didn't sell as much as we wanted it to. So canon ending with that is everybody lost. Everybody lost. Uh, I lost. I lost, personally, a lot. Um, and obviously Jake Solomon lost. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's off in another company now, isn't he? Or has he retired from games? I don't know. He's. I feel like he's too young to retire. He's. Oh yeah, he's, no, he's only I mean, in his early forties, I think. 
Yeah, Sid Meier is still going. So what, Jake Solomon's oh, I mean, got to. I mean, Sid Meier is like Miyamoto. <laughs> like he, he, like he won't leave. Like he'll just die at the job. Like the <laughs> he will day. just die in the, sitting in his office chair. <laughs> well, even more than that. Have, so have you heard about? Oh, we, we we'll get to Bowser in a second. Don't you worry, folks. But you know um, how they design Chimera. Well, apparently, so it's um, Phyrexis, when they prototype new games, like. Sid Mia built this thing in the 80s that he calls, like, the sandbox, where it's like, whenever they want to try a mechanic out, he will just quickly write it in this bit of software, and it will, like, give him a bunch of data and a bunch of demonstrations of how it worked. And that's how they did uh, Chimera Squad, was, like, they weren't sure if the mixed-up turn order would work. The next company was like, oh, geezers, like, 10 minutes, and I'll write it up. And, like, literally had a working prototype working of it. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, all of Phyrexis's games from... Civ One have used me as sandbox for like prototyping, and it's like, yeah, huh? So yeah, I just imagine that like the day that he dies, like they'll find him in the office, but he has written himself into his own sandbox. So he will just <laughs> he's gonna live forever in the sandbox, like uh, Johnny Depp in Transcendence. He's the guy, and he, apparently he's the guy that like anytime they're developing a game, uh, like aside from the sandbox thing, they just sit down with him. And they're like, what do you think of this? And he's like, he, he's just like gives the thumb. He's like, I like, he's that like could be Caesar, bad. He gives the thumbs he's up like, or thumbs down. Thumbs up or thumbs down. He's like, no, nah, that's dumb. Uh, do this. The player, players like this better. Like he somehow has this like instinctual idea of what might work over other things. Cause it's not like I, he's not doing the, he doesn't do the day-to-day -day stuff for the Civ games, oh, no, I, obviously. I imagine it's like Miyamoto where he's like creative fellow, where it's just like they keep right. him employed as kind of like a... Do you think he yeah. does that for like all the other 2K games? Like uh, they go to him and it's like, all right, we're doing 2K, uh, two, NBA 2K uh, 2020, like four. I would be interested. hope he gives him the thumbs up. <laughs> I would actually kind of be interested seeing who Sid Meier meets in like a regular day. Like... Who, yeah. who's who's calling him seeking his advice <laughs> mm -hmm. same thing for Miyamoto like what like do people just go yeah. for advice Miyamoto is an interesting one because he's obviously he's been developing the theme park for the past like four years but now that that's right. done it's like what's what's the next thing and he apparently he was he worked on Pikmin 4 and it's like yeah but what does that like what does work on mean like was he because I can't imagine he was doing the modeling or like doing the programming or Thing, but I imagine he might have been looking at the design docs and being like, yeah, your nay on stuff like that. So yeah, just yeah. like breaks out the like they give him a draft of the design doc, he breaks out a red pen, like makes his notes and then throws it back to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> more Iochi. Even more Iochi. <laughs> um, so we're in chapter 10, I believe. Yes. Uh yeah, we got the cage. <laughs> Uh, but Bowser is able to keep them pinned down with suppressing yep. fire. Speaking of XCOM, um, yes, <laughs> ba Bowser activated kill zone. Don't go into his line of fire. Um, and then Toad says something about it being hopeless, and that reminds Mario about ah, the envelope. Yes. Hey, now we got yeah, yeah. we got a callback here. And Mario opens up the envelope and basically the note inside tells Mario that each of the mushrooms also casts a spell when thrown. Yes. So one by one, they take turns throwing the mushrooms at Bowser and like the, the black one is like a smoke bomb. 
And then the green one. The red was one a... does fire bombs. It's kind of very yeah. Mario Karty. Like they all turn into yeah. sort of like classic Mario weapons, which is. And basically, that's just from the Bowser Pass. It's just like, stop. This is annoying. Stop doing it. Bowser's like, please stop. Ah, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm not a fan one of them, this. One of them's a giant, just like a giant bouncy ball that hits him in the face. <laughs> yeah, I, and I was trying to figure out what that was a reference to. I know that in Mario Brothers 3, some of the Koopalins are just like, uh, what do they call it? Like in the circus, like on a gymnast when they balance on a ball? Oh, kind of, it's all sort of like yeah, that kind yeah. of, like a sort of a trapeze thing. So I wondered yeah. if it was a reference to that. But Yeah, you know. just like the, the the Koopa kids doing their little thing. Yeah. and I uh, mean, it, it could also just be Tracy West being like, fuck, what? Ball. Why did I write six? Ball. <laughs> ball. Why did I, why, why is it the six mushrooms? Why couldn't it be three mushrooms? <laughs> Why um, wasn't it just one much Mario and the Here we go, Scholastic. I've written this pamphlet for you. Mario and the quest of the one mushroom. <laughs> Mario and the special super special mushroom. Yeah. Uh, so they the the fireball mushroom, which is the last one, knocks Bowser out of a window. Um and <laughs> Yeah, it does. They rescue the princess, and then Mario grabs the book of spells for Cronus's wife. Um, and, uh, I don't think Bowser will need this anymore. And somewhere in a deep, mysterious forest, the sorceress smiled back. The end. No yeah. more, no more writing. Yeah. The end. Hard, so I was, hard end. <laughs> I nearly sent you an email. I nearly sent you a message about this because I did the PDF conversion. I was like, oh, did this cut it off? Like, why is it, <laughs> why did it just end here? So then I had a look at the EPUB and I was like, oh no, it's just Wait, it just ends. Yeah, and then I had a look, and it was like, yeah, that's just where it ends. It just ends on, uh, like gunshot fade to black of somewhere deep in the mysterious forest. The sorcerer smiled back, bummed, cut to black. Linkin Park doesn't really matter. Executive producer <laughs> credit, directed by Michael Bay. I've come so far, um, <laughs> and in the end, it doesn't really matter. Uh, James, what did you think of the book overall? I, I thought it was okay. Um, we did kind of gloss over it a little bit, but I will say compared to when I was here last time and I read the Bionic Commando book, the main criticism I had the Commando book was that basically it was very kind of like kids clancy in regards to they were trying to describe like a lot of action scenes of, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did, and like right. just over and over. This does have action scenes in it, but they do try and, like, it's very dialogue-heavy, and they do try and make it quite cutesy. There isn't a lot of, like, actual combat in it. Like, with the the paratrooper thing was, like, he jumped on the paratrooper, and he lost his wings. Then he jumped again, and he turned into a shell, and then he jumped again, and whoosh, he was gone. So, all very kind of friendly kids writing. And again, like... It borrows a lot from Mario RPG, which is like the most kind of character-filled and story-focused of that. I do like the puzzle element, even though they give away all the answers like immediately, which is a shame. Right. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, I haven't really got a lot of complaints about a book which I think was probably aimed at ten-year-olds for Mario. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am annoyed 10, I didn't I get say. my. Yeah, I am annoyed I didn't get my stickers though. That's. That's the thing that has lasted with this. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a bummer. Um, I thought you? it was fine. I thought it was yeah. fine. Um, I was just, I was comparing it to, in my head. So my daughter just read uh, Charlotte's Web for school. Yes. And she's 10. So I was like, all right, well, Charlotte's Web is a, is a book with pretty complex themes and, you know, all that stuff. It's a kid's book, but, you know. Yeah. And I was like thinking about that in comparison to this. And I was like, all right, so what age is this for? Is it for 10 or is it for younger? I don't know. And then I got distracted and didn't really follow up on that thought. But um, <laughs> I, it's not like something I could, I, I wouldn't give it to my daughter. Um, no, this is a bit, yeah. So maybe 10's a bit, I think you would have to even be a bit younger. Seven, than eight. That. Like, this is like seven, eight, I think. Um, yeah. Probably. Um, so, yeah, it's fine. I think it does a good job of like not being very repetitive. Like, no, in terms of beats, a lot of variety. It, there's variety in locations and gets pulls in a lot of Mario stuff. And uh, the only weird thing I'll say about it is that it's Mario uh, talks a lot. A lot. Um, yeah. Like an unnerving amount. Even more, even with the Chris Pratt Mario Brothers movie in the back of my mind, it still feels like an unnerving amount of dialogue from Mario. Yeah, so. and even then, like, Toad and Luigi, the way that they're written, they are goofy, like, kind of, like, as you'd imagine, like, psychic characters would be, and you would kind of need that level of writing for... But, like, the fact that they made Mario kind of the level-headed one, again, like, that kind of dialogue doesn't feel right coming out of his mouth. Again, not to brag too much on a book which is written for literal children. But literal like, children. Literal children. That hasn't... Listen, that hasn't stopped us before. Um. That's true. <laughs> I was going to say, so like, assuming this is like the bedrock for like the youngest possible person this was written for, what's it, what's like the book that you've, or what's something that you've written for this podcast, which is like probably aimed at like the oldest person possible? Okay. So something we've written, we've read for this podcast that is like in terms of reading level, like. Yeah. Comprehension or up, just like the subject matter, I guess. Probably yeah. the. Uh, probably the Far Cry novelization that we read. Interesting. Because the author is very, it's stylistically, the author was very Cormac McCarthy. Um, and the subject matter has to do with, like, it's based on Far Cry 5, which has a lot to do, like, one of the guys Uh, has, like... Extremists and stuff. Extremists and, like, cutting people's flesh off and nailing it to a wall. There's some really, really heavy (laughs) stuff in that book. So (laughs) I'd probably say the Far Cry novelization is... (laughs) Fair enough. And and you would say that the level of reading comprehension for that as well is a little bit more kind of... Yeah, it's definitely aimed at adults <laughs> and then joseph seed said this and then joseph seed did this kind of thing and, and then he cut off the skin on the woman's forehead and nailed it to the wall praise and then, be this the seed or whatever oh God. i i barely remember far cry 5 and yeah like I, I like I, considering the fun I got out of Far Cry Five. I was like, well, if I just if it was just, if it was just the story with none of the gameplay in it, it's like, oh god. Uh, yeah, imagine like the David Cage version of Far Cry Five. It's just the story, oh, no. straight up, uncut, uncut story. Very little gameplay. Um, See, now I'm imagining that there probably is a novelization, a heavy rain out there. 
which you Ooh. may have to end up doing on the pod. Uh, heavy rain. <laughs> You're looking at it. Um, no, there's a oh. book called Heavy Rain, but it doesn't look like it's about the Oregon Killer. Yeah, there. No, there's a lot, there's several books titled Heavy Rain. Doesn't look like it's uh uh from the David Cage Heavy Rain. Damn, so you do, dodged a bullet there. Though. Dodged a bullet there. David Cage novelization. Uh, okay. Um, no, it doesn't seem to come up. I'll, I'll, I'll dig into it. I'll dig into it. Just in um, case. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess at this point in the show, I always ask Phil one question. Um, and that question is... What are you playing? Oh boy. Well, I have been playing two games recently, if I'm uh, allowed to quickly go into them. Uh, go it's been it. funny, actually, because obviously we're recording this and it's towards end of year and it's like, well, the kind of the big goaty stuff has kind of come out now. And I've got, well, apart from Baldur's Gate 3, which I think my plan is sometime next year to make a start on that, just because I can't imagine a ton of stuff is coming out. So I will be. Yeah, uh, 2024 seems a little droughty so far from what I've seen. <laughs> it's a bit, a bit of a dry, like I know that uh, like a Dragon Infinite Net Wealth is out like right right at the beginning of February, but like I still haven't gotten so any of the users yet, so that'll be yeah. some time. Seems off. like a good backlog year. Oh yeah, so Baldur's Gate for anything will be part of that, but two games I've been playing at the moment, one which is on mobile and one which is on my PC. Uh, the mobile game we've been playing is Sonic Dream Team, which is a uh, iOS exclusive. But it's interesting because obviously Sonic the Hedgehog game came out uh, a couple of months ago. Sonic Superstars, which was like a uh, it's technically it's 2D presentation, but it's 3D rendering. But it's done in the style of Mania. I didn't like it massively based on what I had played, but Sonic Dream Team feels like oh, like this feels like another step in you know making a Sonic game, as in like. It's a little bit of forward kind of running and kind of obstacle course stuff, but then you have these little open areas and it's a little bit more like almost kind of Tony Hawky in a weird way. Like okay. it's a bit lot lot more about kind of using the environment to build up speed and get like little trinkets and stuff. Like every level kind of has like it's like Mario 64. Like every level has six objectives to complete and it's like beat it in this amount of time or sure. get this, this this amount of trinkets and stuff. It's very cute. Um, does make my phone run very hot, though. So if you're going to play it, <laughs> I would suggest have a more up-to-date uh, Apple Apple device. I think this will probably work. It works on iPad. It works on Apple TV. Basically, anything that uh, supports Apple Arcade. The sure. other game that I have been playing is one that I kickstarted a few years ago, and it's finally come out. It is a RPG called Knuckle Sandwich. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay, so Knuckle Sandwich is an interesting one. So the reason that I backed it and what I've been quite enjoying about it is that it is like a... Fr so like if Baldur's Gate 3 is like a throwback to old PC CPRPGs and like obviously right. Bills and Larian's work on stuff, this is very much a throwback to GBA stuff. So like Mother 3 and like Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. So there was kind of like... A little bit more streamlined kind of overworld stuff but also like the combat is very active so like if you're 
like you don't just like press a menu item and then like the attack plays out like they also expect sure. you to do, like a little mini game like to you know time oh, whatever. but like time it with a, the jump and or whatever yeah but uh old knuckle sandwich goes a step further in that all of these interactions are done in the style of warrior micro games uh. So, <laughs> so like, there's an attack which is called like beat down, and like it brings up a little window, and it's like beat down. Uh, here's the inputs, go go go, and then you have to like mash your buttons, and it plays this little animation to do that. Or there's one where it's like defend yourself, and it's like you have to do like a DDR style thing. So like, basically, oh, there's awesome. like all, all these little micro games for like each little different thing. But then the game itself is in. The plot I haven't quite dug into yet, but the presentation's really good. It flip-flops between, like, this really, like, on-point GBA sprite rendering, but then sometimes it does, like, DS-style 3D, where it's, like, low-poly and very, kind of, um, texture-driven, but then it does, like, Game Boy Color stuff when it's doing, like, flashes to the past. It's really interesting, and all made by a single guy called Andrew Brophy. He did the, uh, like, the graphics, the music, the like the programming and stuff like that and yeah i, I would say so far it's been worth uh, it was worth the wait i'm slowly working through it at the moment and uh, interesting yes yeah, been pretty good what about you what what have you been playing uh let's see i have been playing um the big thing i've been playing is warhammer 40k rogue trader which yes. is uh it's a lot of fun. Um, it's also, I mean, I, I, Baldur's Gate three basically was like, oh yeah, fuck, I do like CRPGs, don't I? Mm. <laughs> it, it reminded me of that. So I got Rogue Trader, and it's very much, uh, if you're coming to it from Baldur's Gate three, like, don't expect the polish that's in Baldur's Gate three to be in Rogue Trader. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Like, so, Baldur's Gate 3, literally every line in the entire goddamn game is voice acted. Uh, oh, God, right. <laughs> so what do you do in uh, Rogue Trader, then? Like, what's it? So, like, wh where does it... Like, what do you do in the 40k universe? So, yeah, you're playing as a character who, when you start the game, is the heir to a house. Um, hmm. You're just informed that you're the heir to the uh, a house called the Von Valencia's house which hmm. is um, that house owns a trade warrant, which in the 40K ah. universe, from what I understand, basically gives uh, it, it gives you the title of rogue trader and it lets you have almost full autonomy outside of the Imperium, the, the Imperium of Man's government. So like... It takes place in a section called the Kronos Expanse, which is basically set, which is like far outside of like the settled area of space. And it's like, all right, these rogue traders, they're the first ones out there. And it's kind of like the Wild West, basically for Warhammer 40K. Um, mm. There isn't, a, don't expect a lot of support from the Imperium <laughs> out sure. there. Um, so yeah. It, the, there's like a tutorial mission where uh, and you know you go through all the command the how to play and all that stuff um, all the major gameplay elements um, which include there's the combat portion and then there's like the the portion where making decisions in dialogue options sure. uh, kind of takes you down one of three paths 
which are uh, uh, iconoclastic, dogmatic, and heretical. Obviously, huh. in heretical sense, that's usually not a safe safe way to go in the 40k mm. universe, but you can if you sure. want to. Um, and uh, yeah, after this like opening segment, uh, you are now in control of the ship, your character. And uh, you have to go around and just start rebuilding the ship after it was attacked. And uh, I I just got to the end of, towards the end, I think, of the first chapter of the game, which is still basically just, like, introducing all the systems in it. Um, and I put about, like, 10 hours into the game, and that's including me restarting it, because with CRPGs, inevitably, I start the game with one build, play around for, like, a few hours and then go and restart it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I feel like something else. Um, so, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It's, it's very, reminds me a bit of, of fallout. Um, and it almost makes me think like when I see these new CRPGs, I'm like, oh, God damn it. Beth Bethesda, you could, we could have a fallout. <laughs> yeah. We can yeah. have a classic CRPG Fallout, you know? It's not like it has to be, <laughs> like... It doesn't have to be first person. It doesn't have it doesn't to be, have like to be first person. Just, yeah. just just, give it, give us that. Um, it also uses cover mechanics, kind of like uh, XCOM, uh, half cover and full cover, um, which is which is neat. The, the whole system is kind of tough to... to I haven't totally gotten it yet because it's different than any other system I've played. Um, but I'm slowly getting there. I mean, it's still based on dice rolls behind behind the scenes. It's still based on dice rolls. Um, but the calculation of it is it's it's whatever Games Workshop does. So <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, uh, but that's it. That's the big the big one I've been playing. Um, otherwise, on my Steam Deck, sometimes at night, I've been playing uh, Stasis Bone Totem. Um, I've never heard of that. So years ago, not that long ago, a few years ago, I'd say 2015 or 16, there was a game called Stasis, mm. um, which was a point-and-click horror game. Um, okay. It's like isometric point-and-click, and you're just kind of like going around. It's it's spooky and all that. And it's uh, it was very difficult because <laughs> you, like any if you solve the... It was one of those games where if you solve the puzzle wrong, your character... It's not like you get another chance. Your character just fucking dies. Um, yeah. Like, oh, you put the wrong thing in the thing. The thing exploded. Your character got something on them and they melted into a puddle. Stuff like that. Um, Stasis yeah. Bone Totem, they've kind of learned a little bit that that's a little bit frustrating. So the first time I solved the puzzle wrong and my character died, instead of, instead of like starting me back at the last save, it just started me back right there and unlocked huh. a like... You found the first death or something like that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and it's like, you just keep playing, you know, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you have seen that death scene once. It won't happen. And even if you solve it wrong again, it doesn't play the death scene again. You can just keep playing. It just like turns off the death huh. for that puzzle uh, once you experience it the first time. Um, interesting. So, yeah. It's a uh, it's an interesting little game. Uh, I haven't gotten too far into it, but it's a uh, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fun so far. 
Well, please. Yeah. So, James, uh, why don't you go ahead and plug where people can find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can probably still find me at this point over on X brackets, formerly Twitter at Hot Cider. Um, I'm still making videos at the moment as well. Um, I'm hoping to have because uh, we're recording this around Christmas time. Uh, I am working on two things at the moment, which I do not think will be going out either before or even after. These might come in right at the beginning of January, so that might time up well with this. But um, got a, a couple of other things like. Hoping to have bullet time back at some point as well. I've planned yeah. episodes, but uh, yeah, just need to pull the trigger on actually playing those games and getting them recorded. So um, <laughs> yeah, keep an eye out. I'm always I'm always working on stuff. So uh, and hey, I'm always uh, happy to come back here as well. So yeah, oh, yeah, and we're always glad to have you. Um, as for us, you can find Pixelit Pod on x uh on twixter and instagram and uh and all the other platform blue sky uh oh, wherever yeah. you can find us on just search at pixelit pod you can find us there uh if you go to pixelitpod.com you'll just be redirected right over to our patreon page you can go to patreon.com slash pod if you really really love us you can throw us some money we have three tiers one dollar five dollars and ten dollars ten dollars gets you a shout out at the end of the episode and we have more people to shout out now. Uh, actually, let me look up because this is the first time I'm shouting out these additional folks. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Here we go, uh, audience. Uh, who, who, who do we got? We got. We got. Um, all right. So our 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 traditional friendly friends. You're. You're, you've been shouted out forever. Thank you so much, friendly friend. Uh, we also have Jesus Loves You. Uh, Lord, I hope he does. And uh, Ruthless Mutter, thank you so much for being our geek scholars, throwing us 10 bucks a month. We truly, truly appreciate it. Um, until next time, uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and have a good evening.